Rocky or Dave Rocks, our guest this week. Thanks for joining us, mate, all the way from Perth. Appreciate you sticking around uh, the office today to, to do this for us. Um, you're a coach that I've worked with before and, and one I've been really eager to interview because I really like, really enjoy working with you and I really like your thoughts on the game. Uh, but first of all, for those who don't know you, you had a long playing career with hockey in general, uh, and especially with the Perth Thunder, going until you were 46, is that right? Yeah, 46, I think, yep. 46. So is coaching something you always wanted to pursue, or is that just the natural progression for someone who spent really their whole life in the game? Well, let's face it, playing is the best thing that you can do. <laughs> and I just love playing at the highest level I can, so, well, I could still get a spot now and then I just hung in there for as long as I could till uh really the body just broke down I got too slow to play yeah and um so I just love competing in hockey at the highest level so that was the next step was just um yeah coaching the highest level that I could and Perth Thunder's it yeah and did that happen toward the end of your playing career where you're like hey I just I gotta keep doing this it's gonna be coaching or did you find early on like I know, I remember coaches that I had right back in in my late teens, even that I would watch or listen or be coached by them. And I was, I can think back now, and I remember thinking back then, almost subconsciously, that man, that he's doing a really good job, or I, I did or I didn't like that. I think I'd like to do that one day, even though I didn't really pursue it hard until I was kind of in my late twenties. Is that something that you had going on as well? Oh, definitely. So. Um... Like, obviously, I'm a phys ed teacher as well. So when, um, yeah, so playing junior in that, I always thought, you know, coaching would be, being around sport and coaching would be an excellent job. The thing is, you learn very quickly. There's not a lot of money in coaching. And just like playing, you got to put in a lot of dues, and it takes a long time to, to get anywhere where you can make any money. And, I, you know, I just thought to myself, really, if I want to coach, what, can you do coaching and make money at it? And teaching was it. It's like you're your professional coach all day, teaching phys ed. And so, yeah. so that's what really happened there. And then moving to Australia, just had awesome opportunity. We, we had Super League and then we, I was part of the, you know, getting that Thunder team together and, um, you know, and then got playing first year, second year, you know what I mean? It was just, um, it, it was just great fun. Where being in Canada, it was, you know, just beer league, right? <laughs> yeah. Man, so, that's, it's, I'd kind of forgotten that. I, I knew you worked at a school, but I'd kind of forgotten that you were a teacher, even though I knew that, uh, particularly yeah. phys ed. But I remember um, years ago, I was at, with Hockey Alberta at a High Performance One um, seminar, and the, one of the coaches asked a group of about 60 people, what is a coach? And he went around, and I would say probably 80% of people in that room, their response was, or maybe I had to write it down, thinking back now, it was a long time ago, but their response was, a coach is a teacher. And it makes so much sense, but I remember really thinking at the time, yeah, you're right, a coach is a teacher. Have you found that being a teacher has helped you more as a hockey coach, or being a hockey coach has helped you more in teaching? Uh, funny you say that, it actually works both ways. So okay. the kids that are in my classes, I basically tell them whatever sport we're doing, soccer, I say, you got to pretend we're the Perth glory. I'm going to run this, this, this PE lesson 
just like I would a training session. So we actually do skills development and I set up drills like soccer players do, do soccer drills. And then, you know, we play small area games and the kids like playing the full game too, to keep it fun. So we, yeah. you know, we eventually do that as well. And yeah, so that's, so, so pretty much, yeah, teaching and coaching. There's not a lot of difference to be honest with you. If, you know, you just try and get the kids mindset like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, look, I want to, I guess I want to start with your time with the Thunder. Um, I think you did a great job as tenure with the Thunder, uh, three years coaching there, um, particularly developing their, their young local players. Um, you would have played, well, you may have coached a lot of them before they reached the AHL. You may have played with some of them while, while you were finishing your playing days in the AHL. But I guess that would have been a lot of hard work. Um, getting that semi-final win last year, particularly with Perth, where you guys have been there so many times and, and fallen short in, a, in a, just a one-game kind of roll of the dice. But last year, getting that first win in franchise history, how good did that feel? Because to me, it was clearly from the hard work that you guys have put in developing those young guys. Um, was that pretty rewarding for you? Yeah, definitely. That um, Look, it was a whole team effort. That was a great team game. And um, yeah, you need your local players, no matter, you know, you need the depth. No matter what team it is, you have to have depth. Yeah. And um, definitely those guys certainly helped. Um, I definitely coached a lot of those guys growing up as well. And then they got an opportunity to actually a lot of them go overseas and stuff. So there was a good break, had a good break there, which is when I was playing with the Thunder. Yeah. And um, look, to be honest, I, I kind of coached the Thunder a little sooner than I would have liked to. Um, okay. Being... AIHL is it, it I mean it's a men's semi-professional hockey league with professional hockey players in it yeah. and and the young guys you know they need to be 23 24 25 to really make an impact in in these leagues and so they were just you know so ultimately but you got to take the opportunity when it's there so I had the opportunity to step in three years ago so I, I took it um, right. but but to be honest with you I could definitely see this coming I think the Thunder's in an excellent spot now. And I think, you know, they've got good depth, good local guys for the future. And, um, yeah, I think this is the time, really, you want to be taking the, the team on. Yeah. So you think their window to win, I guess, yep. for lack of a better term, is, is just opening right now? I think so, yeah. I, I think they should be, although they've been really competitive for, for a long time, and, you know, we had good local players, not knocking them, but we just didn't quite have that depth, you know, yeah. and, and I think that now we've got that depth. And I also think that uh, the AHL moving to 15 from 15 minute periods to three twenties, that's going to be a game changer for teams with the depth. Absolutely. And, and I, um, you know, I think any coach who really believes in themselves and, and also has some uh, depth to coach is, is going to be loving those three 20-minute periods because there's no there's really no room to hide now as a coach. Um, you have to have a uh, third, maybe even fourth line that can be relied upon, um, which will then unlock your top line to be able to perform at their best without overplaying them. So I'm eager to see how that goes when it 
shakes out post-COVID. But um, you made a good point there, and it's interesting looking at that team. It makes a lot of sense now that they are in their, their kind of window to win is just starting now with those young guys that are, that are men. Um, and, but, and the older guys aren't too old either. You know, they're just hitting 29, yeah. 30. So they're still able to play. Yeah, really contribute and, and lead those guys. But I guess if you think of a young Australian player, apart from the very few truly elite players like uh, like Bronte, Costa, um, you know, the, there's a uh, Friedrich, you know, there's a few just absolute studs that are going to step right in and um, and probably step into a top six role or, or, or a top four role or a starting goalie role right away. For everyone else, <laughs> so for most of the young guys, how long do you think it takes to truly develop to be an everyday AIHL player? Yeah, so look, I think it's like I said, it's that you need that three, you know, you start at 20, you need that, you need that three or four years because it is a, you know, it is a man's game. And regardless of your skill level, you know, it is, you know, hockey. It's, it's, yeah. it's a fast, it's, you know, you need to have that athleticism. You got to have the power. You have to have the speed. You got to have the strength and, you know, you got to win board battles. You got to get pucks out. You, you know, you, you got to make, take hits and make plays. And until you've, you may be more skilled, but until you've developed that man strength, for lack of a better word, um, you, you're not going to be as effective. And, and, you know, plus you got to remember you're competing against imports as well. So, you know, you're competing against professional hockey players. So, um, and they all come over as men. They're not coming over at 20 when they just finished junior, you know, they're coming they're, they're at 20, 21, they're still trying to make it. They're kind of, most of them are coming over once they've established themselves, you know, as an East coast league player or SPHL player. And then now they're thinking about having more fun with their hockey. So, yeah. so I think it's, you know, it takes that time and that's the time that the kids can lose interest. That's where the difficulty comes in with the, with the coach or the team, making sure that those guys maintain their interest, maintain, you know, whatever ice time they get, they want, they want to get better. They, they want to hit the gym and they want to improve their, their fitness. They want, you know, their size, their strength, their speed. They want to improve their skills because it can be a little bit demoralizing sitting on the bench, which I personally, as a coach, I hate a bench warmer is not a role on a team. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, it is a fine line between getting ice time, you know, making owners happy, GMs happy, imports happy. It's, that's the hard work. Yeah. <laughs> the coaching is, is the fun stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point there. Like, a lot of kids do get demoralized after because, you know, we, th we think now as, as older uh, players or, or guys have been in coaching a little while as uh, three, four years, that's, you know, I can invest that into a player or it's not that long because there's so much to learn and so much that goes into it. But as a player, particularly if you're not, you don't really have a role early on or it hasn't been defined to you and you are sitting on the bench and kind of wondering like, why aren't I getting an opportunity or what have I got to do to get an opportunity? Um, and I've seen it a lot of times on a lot of different teams where those players, um, they do a year, maybe two, and then they go play in the Super League or East Coast or whatever else. Um, so you need to be 
as a coach, I think it's cha a challenge to really connect with those guys and communicate with them that they feel like they're on that journey with you um, and that they see the fruits of year three and four and playing more and kind of doing their part. But one thing I find with young guys is, is um, it's the games and what happens in the games, like being able to put them, add them out there in certain situations, being able to battle against men, like you said, but um, I find a lot can be developed at practice because the practice, I know every year we have a preseason practice and it's pretty good uh, up here in Newcastle. And as soon as the imports arrive, it just ramps right up. Like even the Aussie, Aussie guys get better and passing harder and, and it uh, really has a, an intensity to it. And for, for young guys, that's awesome because it, it uh, just like the game time, it probably takes a year or two of practicing like that to really uh, make those good habits um, and take them to the next level. Do you agree that a lot, a lot of that groundwork stuff? 100%. As soon as the, the imports arrive, the, the, the speed and the pace 100% ramps up. And you probably even know yourself. As you get through a bit of the grind, you know, you hit the mid-season doldrums, the imports, they want to, you know, take a weekend here or that, a few days off. And you just see, you know, the imports injured, they're not at practice. Five guys are injured. They're not at practice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you definitely, definitely see that. And, um, yeah, it's excellent experience to experience that because, yeah, they just don't know the pace that they have to practice at. They don't know how hard they should be passing that puck. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, another thing I find which keeps guys – young guys and also older guys um, interested is, is just the morale of being around the team. Like I, I know myself for, for times where I wouldn't play much. Um, it's great to get away with the guys and, you know, you, you've got good friends on the team. You're enjoying the road trips. You're enjoying the weekends away or weekends out in Newcastle areas. And, uh, you're enjoying the practice time because you're having fun around buddies that uh, for young guys to really, get into a dressing room and be embraced by the players, particularly the older players. I think it really helps to keep that interest and morale up so that they can then tough out those um, one, two, three, four years until they're, they're a regular. Um, I'm going to shift it a little bit from Thunder to your current role as head coach of the, the national U20 team. Um, you just completed your second year, back-to-back uh, -back silver medals. Unfortunately, it gets in uh, just couldn't quite get that gold. I, I was there with you in year one uh, where we lost to an unbelievable uh, Chinese team. Um, and then I guess if you want to fill everyone in on, on uh, what went down this, this year. Yeah, so we – look, so the, the, the system is you have two pools in, in Division Three. We have two pools, and then you play off for the final. So I really like the fact that you can get out of your pool, then you got a semifinal game, and then you got a gold medal game. So that, that, that's, that is great. And yeah, this year, look, we won, we won all our pool games and everything. We just, again, came up against a big, strong team. And unfortunately, just overall team size and strength. We just didn't have that, um, the same team we had the year before. The year before, we had enough big, strong guys that we could, you know, match it with these teams. China just probably had too much money and too much talent the year before. This year... Uh, you know, it was Iceland. They were beatable, but unfortunately, again, they were just too big, too strong, and we couldn't, you know, we just couldn't win the board battles. And if you can't win the board battles, 
you can't, um, you know, you can't win the hockey game. And like our whole sort of style of play system was we forechecked the heck out of them. We took the puck off on the forecheck. We cycled it and then we got the pucks to the net and we ground teams down. So we'd come out of the first period, you know, zero, zero or down a goal. And, you know, me and Chiz would be scratching our heads, but by the end of the second, we just started rolling. And by the end of the third, we easy win, you know, it just looked like an easy win. And, just wear it, teams down. We could just wear them down. But unfortunately, the Iceland team, they were just a bunch of Vikings. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the skill level was equivalent, but their size was just much greater. Yeah. Okay. So I guess in learning from that, has that, this, that may have changed what I'm about to ask, but what are some of the pillars that you build your, that you build your teams around? What, are the, what, what attributes are important to a rookie coach team? Yeah, well, um, look, got to have sort of a team attitude first, 100% team attitude first. And, um, you know, not selfish. Uh, don't take those stupid penalties kind of things. Sorry, I'm having trouble with and, the connection. Please try again in a moment. For some reason, Siri thinks I'm talking to her. <laughs> That's right, man. It's all good. Shut that down. Distracting me. All right. Yeah. So basically, and just, so I want guys that just want to work hard for the team and that camaraderie you're talking about, about supporting guys. For me, that's the team's job is to support each other. You know, when they're supporting each other, it just allows the coaches to give that negative feedback. You know what I mean? That, that players have to get sometimes and you can be a bit of a hard ass because, you know, the players are all supporting each other. And so, so that's what, that's really what I look for. And, um, you know, for me, it's puck pursuit. If you lose the puck, you got to get it back. The quicker you get it back, the less teams can set up. You know, if you can get the puck back within six seconds, they can't develop an offense. If, if they've got six seconds to make something happen, then all of a sudden they're attacking you. So, so puck pursuit's huge as well. Yeah, right. And that's... Um... Really, that's just mentality, right? Like, yeah, 100% you know, that, mentality. Yeah, guys wanting to, to put the work in right away once possession's lost to, to get on the D side and work to get the puck back. Um, you, you talked about being, being negative, um, and, and I know what you mean, not so much negative, but I really liked uh, coaching with you that you kind of laid it out to the players early on that, hey, uh, there's going to be times where I have to coach and uh really tell you what you don't want to hear nothing's personal we're all here to get better and um something i really learned from you because i could just feel the players almost like at ease and, and it made that year in particular feedback really easy gift to give to guys because they not just because of that obviously because of your actions throughout the tournament but it really made guys feel that uh you were there to help them even though sometimes it, it wasn't pretty, like if they needed to uh, kick up the ass, you know, you're, you're happy to give it to them, but in a, in a positive way because you're working with them and uh, not just kind of yelling at them, if that makes sense. Yeah, thanks for that. That is obviously what the aim is to get that, that fine balance of being too much to or too much for, to get that with. That is definitely the sweet spot. So appreciate that feedback. <laughs> no worries. Um, 
look now with uh you know and so i worked with you in, in year one of your job now you have uh jason Bissell, awesome assistant coach uh with a great track record um i guess often in australia with limited resources a coach may have to take on a bigger load with more responsibilities i guess we're fortunate when we go away to these tournaments and we have a, a, a large staff um but I guess in a perfect role, if in a perfect world, in your eyes, what's the role of a head coach? Well, I think a head coach really just first off, foremost, you got to have vision. You got to know what you, what kind of, what you want from your team, what you want from the season, you know, what you're about. And that's the second part is the values. So you got to have a vision, and you got to back it up with your values. So that's that's where I come from, and I'm glad that that kind of came through with how I treat the players with that firmness, but fairness and, you know, that with them and um, you know, it's all about getting better. So, so you got to, so like I said, so vision and values. And then once you've got that, then you can define the roles as to whatever suits people. You know, I'm not precious over, Oh, I got to run the power play. I it's gotta be my idea. You know what I mean? I really, I just want to get people's ideas and then consult, sift through, and then figure out what what will get that vision to happen. So who is the best person to run the forwards, the defense, the special teams, work the skills, whatever. So that's that's sort of how I operate. Yeah, it's interesting because I know in Australia, it's a lot of uh, coaches that coach, they may have coached for a long time in minor hockey, and they may have had an assistant coach sometimes often just a parent who helps open the gate and fill out the team sheet, right? And sometimes they get to the state level or, or working with a high-level team, and now there's, there's a bigger staff, assist, uh, head coach, assistant coach, trainer, goalie coach sometimes. Um, and, and it's a bit foreign to, to some people. So I guess to help out those coaches, what, um, what does a head coach need from an assistant coach to – to allow the team to be working at their best. Well, um, so, yeah. So at the local level, the club level in Australia, I've definitely found it a little bit, I'll be honest, a little bit of a struggle, even just to get assistant coaches to just turn up every week. Yeah. You know, it, it sounds funny, but like working with yourself and working with Chiz, when you're working with capable coaches who could be head coaches, you know, and then they're for the team. So they're prepared to just do whatever they need to do. That is, that's the ultimate. And then you got, you can just figure out your roles as to where your strengths are. Um, whereas at the local level, just being committed um, and having somebody to bounce ideas off and just have confidence. Cause a lot of them, you know, like you say, if you're, uh, if you're, uh, you know, an Australian dad, you know about cricket, you know about footy, you, you know, you may not know nothing about hockey, but your kid decides to play and then, you know, you want to get involved. Just learn, have confidence, bounce ideas, at, you know, ask questions. So don't be afraid to bring ideas to the table and don't be afraid to, to ask the coach to take on a special role, whether it's defense, offense, special teams, teaching skills, you know, anything that you can specialize in that works, that, that you've got a passion for, I think that's it just helps take a role, you know, video, whatever it is. It just helps relieve the pressure on, on the, on, on the head coach. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And that's a great point. Like if you're a, a parent coach or, or someone who's new to the game of hockey, but you're, you're volunteering your time and you're helping out with minor hockey, it's, um, it's really important that if you want to help the players out more, you need to educate yourself. And just like a player needs to go home and stick handle and shoot pucks, um, you know, I, I suggest all coaches out there doing minor hockey to go home and watch video. Uh, cut clips that you may share with your team. Watch video and pick out skills that you can work on with your team. It, it's Because uh, I know at, at our level, like we're still constantly learning. So for those minor hockey coaches, that's really important that they, they put in that work to, to educate themselves, just like a player puts in work to get better, whether it be in the gym or, or off ice, uh, skills like that. So when it comes to the, the bench, how do you delegate responsibilities on the bench with your assistant coach? So... Again, as I said, um, you know, I, I kind of have a vision for what the team should look like. And then I just basically assess their skill set, just as you would with players. What can this person do to help me out the, the best that, that, I, that I need? And, um, you know, I'll give Thunder, for example. So one year, Chris Christopoulos, I just really needed him in the stands, actually, because he gets a different perspective. He writes down notes. Uh, you know, he can evaluate players and, you know, and it also helped a little bit with consistency because, you know, we don't travel with assistant coaches. You know, we just, most teams, well, some teams, you know, can get a trainer or whatever. So, yeah. so just the way the, the whole thing was, you know, we weren't traveling with assistant coaches. So it just kept it consistent home games, away games. And um, yeah, and having him in that role, like I said, was really helpful. You know, other years, you know, it's been good. I've had other guys who could do that. So he could come on the bench and, um, you know, like I said, just the vision and just guys be prepared to do whatever role it takes to make the team better or make it work better. Really. Yeah. I like your flexibility there and kind of like a player, right? Like if, if, if it's not a guy's strong point, don't make him play that way. You're going to say, Hey, this is your strong point play this way. So I like your flexibility with coaches. Like this is what you do well, like, like this um i guess for anyone who hasn't been on the bench with you as a player or a coach uh what's your what's your bench management style like uh i like to call it assertive okay so i have like every coach you go into the game with a game plan um and you know you've coached with me we've got roles and things but obviously as a head coach you got to have that just that strong vision and know what you want to achieve and back yourself. So if I see something developing or a weakness in the other team and I want to change something, just coaches have to get used to it being fluid. And the yeah. players have to get used to it being fluid because, you know, I, I, I'm more than happy to change. If I see something I think will work or, you know what I mean, you don't have time to explain all that. The player, you just have to be assertive, make the call, like, you know, what you're talking about because you want that to happen and the players just have to accept it. The assistant coaches have to accept it. And, you know, well, you've been on the bench with me. You might feel like I stepped on your toes a little bit, but again, it's just all in the, it's all just in for what I think is the betterment of the team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I like that. Um, I know that you like to use players that you can trust. Um, uh, you use that word a lot when we're selecting players, particularly in the bottom half of your lineup. Um, 
I like the way you use your bottom six. Uh, how important is that group of bottom six forwards on your teams? So as I mentioned before, I'm a big believer that everybody in the team needs to have a role. And those guys are probably the most important, you know, because you're going to get the first lines are going to be pretty equitable, probably across any league or division that you're playing. But your third and fourth line, if you can get guys who can skate, who, who have that urgency to go get pucks back, that puck pursuit, they have that urgency to make it a point to be defensive. Then, you know, if they're, if they're doing that and they're wanting to learn, your, your team's going to be more successful. You know, so they, so, you know, their defense first, but look, I still want them to have, I want them to actually have the confidence to back themselves that if they get in a situation where they can be offensive, go for it. Like, I'm never going to, you know, get mad at somebody because they jumped into the rush and now we got a three on one. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So as long yeah. as they're just doing, you know, safe, safe place and hard work and they're not going to take penalties, that's, you know, ultimately what you want if you can get your you know a goal if they feel that you know what if i jump into a rush to make a three-on-one and we get caught and we get scored on the coach isn't going to going to bench me for the rest of the game you're going to find that in over time you're going to get you're going to get um goals out of your third and fourth line and they won't be costing you but again you got to be prepared for you know to get scored on once in a while it's hockey it's going to happen and, and I agree with that discipline, right? Like they can't be taking um, any, not any penalties because penalties happen, but, but bad penalties. Um, they can do that. Because that's one thing that can quickly break a coach's trust, right? Is when they take an undisciplined penalty and it's like, can I trust him not to do that again? So, yeah, I like definitely. That. Um, I guess advice for players how can a young player catch your eye in a short tournament? So, something like the Freeze, uh, sorry, yeah, Freeze, Tans, Brown, um, you know, in a, they play what, four or five games over two or three days in those tournaments. Um, someone who's not going to be leading their team in scoring, how does a player like that catch Rucky's eye? Yeah, so as mentioned, puck pursuit and that just the urgency on the puck pursuit and the urgency for their defensive responsibilities. Really that, that's, you know, if they, yeah. if they got a bit of pace about them, a bit of energy about them and they're working and they're turning pucks over. Fantastic. If the, you know, and on defense, they've always in the right position. They got their man. They've always got their defense covered. That's those are the two big things for me, for sure. Yeah. Nice. And simple, simple for players to take that in and, and implement that. What are some of the characteristics that you just hate to see when you're watching some of these prospects? So, yeah, the first one you mentioned is those undisciplined penalties that they drive coaches crazy. And then the second thing is opposite to what I look for. It's just laziness. You know, when guys are standing beside somebody or, or close enough that if they just took two, three hard strides, they would have, they would have been there. And they, yeah. they're not prepared to do that. that. Those are the two things that, you know, right away just they're, they wouldn't buy into the team. They're not, you can't, you can't have those guys, you know, on your team. Yeah. Totally. Because, because that's the number one rule, isn't it? In sport, you can stuff up, but you have to try your best. And, you know, if you're lazy and you're taking stupid penalties, you're not doing your best for the team. Absolutely. And I think, Body language is your biggest communicator, right? 
and I know in watching players, uh, we can tell a lot about what they're all about with the way they carry themselves uh, and the way that they use body language. Uh, someone could be a bit of a hard worker, but you can just tell when the puck gets turned over by his teammate and, uh, you know, it's, it's not a good look. Um, and yeah, if a player can easily come across as lazy when they're, they're kind of dogging it on the back check and not, not putting the work up. Body language doesn't usually lie. Um, what are what, talking team tactics now? What is one of the team tactics that you've found has stuck with you the most through all the teams you've coached? Like, is there something that's just always your go to, whether it be a breakout, a four check, a uh, way you defend um, that, that you found just. You know, obviously things change as the game changes or team change, teams change, but is there something you just think, man, I've been doing this with these guys since, you know, years ago and it's just still there? Well, really the most simplest thing, and it was, I mean, I think famously Gretzky's the one that identified it is, it's just a give and go, making it out, outnumbering the defense two to one. Yeah. And, and and passing it and going to space and getting it back. I mean, that's, you know, like I said, I think famously Gretzky identified it, you know, in the 80s and still to this day. If you, if you can two-on-one somebody and you can just pass and go to space and get it back, you're going to generate scoring opportunities. So do you encourage that with your guys in all three zones? Like as soon as you get the puck and you give it, you're going? 100%, 100%. You got you to skate. And, you know, the, the toughest thing, I think, for defense is they either pass or they skate when they should just – both should be happening instantaneously. Yeah. As soon as they get the puck, the feet should be moving, but they should be looking to pass it or know where they're going to pass it before they even get there. So if they can pass it right away, they don't have to skate, but then follow the pass, follow it up. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's, that's a – that's a big thing I've found in seeing Australian kids. I think too much emphasis is, is on the superstar, the goal scorer. I don't think enough emphasis is on what they do away from the puck and just how important it is for that guy who scored the goal to get that excellent zone exit. And um, yeah, so for me, that's what I think we should be developing a bit more of. In Absolutely. And, and, I like how you said that, like doing everything with your feet moving. That's something the players can, can work on at practice um, because the game is just so fast now that there's really no room for, for doing anything while gliding, you know, um, not for too long anyway. Uh, look, I just got three quick hitters to finish. Um, and the first one is the most, most feel-good moment from your entire coaching. <laughs> well i contemplated whether or not i should uh discuss this in public but to be honest with you so you know i did a little bit of coaching back in canada i was assistant coach on a junior b team we won the provincial championships and stuff so so i've had some success but um to be honest with you i just remember the first time i coached a state team it was the ginsburg like peewee kids team or actually no it was even it was the Adams it was the uh, McRae when they actually had tournament back then yeah and New South Wales would smash us and you know I had literally 20 kids to choose a team from and we went away with you know like 11 kids and um and I just remember thinking you know what 
I said to the parents and I said to the kids at the time, they were like, you know, 10 years old. And I said, this is it. This is the people that you're going to be playing hockey with until you're 20. So we have to make this group as good as we can. And the parents committed to it and the kids committed to it. We started practicing, you know, we went from one practice and one game a week to like two or three practices a week. We're finding extra, some parents that had a little bit of money were buying ice time for us, you know, paying for the whole for the whole hour and um my goal was to get these kids i thought you know what by tang we should be able to win the gold medal and we ended up doing it in defreeze actually it was like two or three years later we 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 won it in defreeze it happened faster than i thought and so i'd say the first gold medal that we won and the other thing was it was like um it was the first one wa had won in like 20 years or something it's like their youth their youth teams had won in 20 years so so yeah as insignificant as it may sound in the big wide world of hockey it was yeah that that was actually probably about my favorite yeah no i love that i love that and i think that's important like i've spoken to a lot of coaches who are coaching at a high level um and i've asked them similar questions and it's probably more often than not it's usually a moment that I would not have thought of, you know, like someone who may have coached the team to, you know, a league championship or a provincial championship, things like that. And uh, I remember one coach in particular, I won't name him, but we were just talking about sporting moments in general. He'd been around a few and it was a recreational uh, baseball team that he played with, how they won the league. And it was slow pitch, like they're having some beers and stuff, but it was just that group of guys and he, and he, he went kind of through the storyline of how it happened. And um, so I, I can totally resonate with that because I know for myself, I think back to some of the cool hockey moments and, and yeah, often, you know, sometimes you're fortunate enough where they are at a high level, but often it's exactly what you're saying. It's a, it's a minor hockey team. It's a recreational hockey team uh, um, or whatever. And I think, great moments as a coach or even in sport it doesn't need to be the biggest stage because once you start playing you can be playing drop-in or shitty hockey one day and there just might be an unreal passage of play where you're like that well unreal you know so i, I like the answer uh, my next one though is your most deflating moment from your coaching career yeah uh, honestly i'd have to say the loss in the final last year with the with the thunder really we just had such a good semi-final and going into the final just you know like you said everything was good uh, you know all the young guys were playing great everybody could could do it and we just had honestly we had like a four minute lapse and it just in the fir- end of the first period and it just that cost us the whole we just couldn't come back with that from that and um yeah i did you know all credit to the bears for sticking in there and you know winning the game and everything but yeah i just i just felt that we we should have had them last year i really do I, you know we should have if we were going to win it any year it was a great opportunity last year because they they were pretty they're pretty gassed after the, after their game yeah and uh CBR, yeah yeah you know and yeah. they had to battle back from that game and, and stuff and yeah, they battled back and beat us too. So like I say, all credit to them. But that, that was disappointing when, when I thought we, we, we were up on them. 
That would, yeah, it would have been a tough loss, especially like the high that you guys came from, from winning that semi, like I mentioned, first in, in franchise history. And then uh, to have the lead come out of the gates really hot, which didn't happen in the semi. Like you guys, I thought you guys came out a bit flat in the semi, but then just worked wave after wave to, to win the game over in the semi. Well, the final was the opposite. You guys came out really hot and got the lead. Um, so, yeah, I can see how that was deflating. But, man, I think... I really think that you squeezed everything you could out of that team last year, and, and you could tell by the time the uh, the siren went at the end. There, the guys were buckled over one because they'd lost a, a championship, but two just because they were had nothing left to give. And, and uh, yeah, that that would have been a tough one for sure. Uh, last one here, I guess, is your what's your dream hockey job outside of the NHL? I would imagine that everyone wants to work in, in the NHL because it's the best hockey league in the world. But let's pretend that doesn't exist for a second. What's your dream hockey job? Uh, look, it probably would be like a head coach in the, in the CHL, like in the Western League or the Ontario Hockey League. Um, look, you got the 72-game season. You got the long playoffs. It's, you know, you get that experience like – an NHL season, you know, almost. And um, plus, you know, I find the junior age kids, they are awesome to work with. Look, there's a lot of attitude and difficulty, but on the same time, it's a challenge. And if you get them on your side, they're just, they're not jaded, you know, like some of the pros can be. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. So I, I, I think that, you know, like I say, coaching in a CHL team would be a great, great job. Yeah. You know, other than that, probably similar sort of age group would be like at a university. Yeah. You know, no, that's interesting. Well, I think you'd be a great guy for the job. Uh, that's all I had for you. Look, I really appreciate you jumping on. Um, you know, you're, you're an elite coach in Australia and you're just doing a great job with that U20 program. And like I said, back-to-back -back silvers. Uh, hopefully, COVID doesn't get in the way of uh of your 2021 tournament where um i would imagine you you guys are all pretty hungry for that gold so fingers crossed that goes your way and uh and thanks again for jumping on yeah thanks mate appreciate it and uh look what you're doing as well is fantastic i you know um just getting australian coaching and hockey out there is fantastic and um yeah, I think you're doing a great thing here. And uh, yeah, you've done a great job coaching as well. So good luck to you guys too. Hopefully you get the, you guys missed out last year. Hopefully this year you, you get to do the U18s. That's I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Rocky.